Welcome back to the Venari podcast. I'm Gov Candola, and we're joined for episode two of the sustainability series with Heather Repenning of Los Angeles Metro. Now, Heather is the executive officer for sustainability policy at LA Metro. Uh, Heather, welcome. Hi, good morning. Well, look, it's great to have you on. And obviously, I'm very excited by this episode because we're going to be learning a lot about the current initiatives uh, and future initiatives at LA Metro, especially with the LA Olympics just around the corner. Um, 2028, uh, I suppose in infrastructure terms, that is literally around the corner. Um, there's so much to do. And obviously with LA's, I suppose, love affair with cars, it's going to be a, a huge task getting individuals away from the automotive vehicles, you know, onto public transport, especially with the huge number of individuals um, that obviously will be, um, you know, coming to the games themselves. Um, but I suppose to kick us off, it would be great to understand how I suppose you got involved with LA Metro and uh, more specifically, you know, focusing on the sustainability policy. Um, sure. Well, um, LA Metro is a, a large dynamic agency. Um, we serve all of Los Angeles County, 10 million people. Um, and we have uh, about uh, um, 11,000 employees. Um, our budget is over $9 billion for next year, and we have a very, very exciting um, and large um, capital program um, in which we are expanding both our bus and our rail service um, substantially. And, um, and we have a lot of different programs um, going on. Um, partly, you know, when, when the voters went to the polls here in Los Angeles County um, in November of 2016, um, they voted at uh, over 70% to approve um, a measure that created a, a half cent sales tax um, that goes to funding um, LA Metro. Um, and that sales tax uh, does not have a sunset. Um, and so it has allowed us to undertake, you know, this very important expansion of our services um, so that we can really create um, the type of um, transit um, infrastructure and service that uh, we think that um, LA County deserves. So we're in the process of, of doing all of that. And um, obviously there are a lot of opportunities to make our program sustainable, more sustainable. Um, and you know, I, I one of the reasons that I'm here is that I believe our program in itself in, increases sustainability. 50% um, of climate emissions in the state of California come from the transportation sector. So every time we, you know, um, provide, uh, you know, a, a ride on our, our bus or, or train, we, we are doing something that is, is good for the environment. Um, so our core function is in itself um, sustainable and climate friendly. Um, but we have obviously with, within everything we're doing a lot of chances to to, to improve, to do things more sustainably, um, to um, minimize our negative impact on the environment and to reduce climate emissions and be part of the kind of global um, fight against climate change. Amazing. Yeah, whenever I'm speaking to someone about LA Metro, obviously the initiatives are always something they're discussing and kind of, you know, the amazing initiatives. In terms of some of those current initiatives that you're engaged with when it comes to sustainability, do you mind giving us a bit of an insight uh, to that? Um, sure, well... I mean, one of the very large things that we're doing is that we're in the process of shifting all of our bus fleet, um, over 2,200 buses, um, to zero emission vehicles. So right now we're we're, our, we're fueled um, with uh, renewable natural gas, um, and so we're moving to 
um, zero emission. Right now, every every bus that we're we're using and that we've ordered is is battery electric, um, and so that is a very large undertaking. Um, we're we're I think really at the forefront of of this transition, um, and you know experiencing a lot of the you know <laughs> the the growing pains, um, but it's it's very exciting. Um, we're also in the process of um, adding 2,000 new um, electric vehicle chargers um, that the public will be able to use and access um, in our um, park and ride lots. Um, that, that goal is for 2030. Um, and we are trying to um, triple our on-site renewable energy generation um, also by 2030. Um, reduce our water consumption. Last year, our board passed, um, I think, first of its kind um, tree policy, um, acknowledging the sort of um, relationship between um, public transit infrastructure and the urban canopy, um, which we feel is very important, especially um, as we start to experience um, some of the extreme heat that's, that's part of climate change. Um, and so we've got uh, a lot going on. Oh, that's a lot. I was going to say some huge initiatives uh, in play there and obviously some for the future as well. What are some of the main challenges the business is facing, I suppose, in the transition to zero carbon? We provide almost a million um, rides every day um, between our, our bus and our rail service. So how we're how we're fueling, um, what kind of vehicles we're using, like that's a really significant um, factor for us. You know, our board um, committed to doing that transition, our transition by 2030. Um, and so we are in the process of doing so we're, you know, because we serve such a, a large geographic area, you know, we're, we're like experiencing challenges with, you know, some of the battery technology. I think we're, we're kind of guinea pigs. And I think that's kind of what the, the board wanted um, in adopting such an aggressive goal was that we would A, help drive the market um, for, um, for those vehicles, um, knowing that there was, uh, you know, a large public agency that was going to place a significant order, mm. helping make sure that those companies knew that the business was coming. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, we have to provide excellent service to our customers. So um, our folks who are on the ground in, in the operations um, group are, you know, working, you know, tirelessly to, to make this work. And it's exciting and daunting and all of that. I can imagine. I was going to say, shifting our focus slightly. Now, I know there's been a huge push from government and regulatory bodies um, when it comes to creating new solutions. But why should companies also engage in regulatory advocacy, in your opinion? Well, sure. I, I think um, there's a lot at stake when it comes to regulation. And, you know, we we feel that we're, of course, the experts on what we do. And so we want to make sure that um, any rulemaking done by government agencies allows us to do things in the way that we think is going to be most successful. So, you know, we we have, you know, a, an excellent government relations team that works very closely with regulatory agencies, both in Washington, D.C. and in Sacramento, California. You know, with regulation, I think we there there is often, you know, a financial impact. For us, the, the challenge is we want to be able to support that regulation, but we also want to try to get funding so that we can make it happen here. Now, in the U.S., the last couple of years have been an incredible time for, you know, public infrastructure funding. Um, you know, our uh, 
the the current administration, um, you know, and and Congress passed the bipartisan infrastructure law, and then they also passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which which is among other things a very large climate bill. And so we've seen just over the last couple of years a a lot of brand new programs get up and running. And so we've also been trying to shape, you know, how those programs are set up um, and and make sure that we're going to get our fair share, make sure that the way that the funding programs are written is going to be beneficial to us. Um, And, you know, because we think what we're doing here is very important in terms of jobs and the economy, not just locally, but actually nationally, but also in terms of um, climate change and the environment. You know, we know we know that what we're doing here can really um, make a very big difference um, in in reaching our our goals. Amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously, when you've got a huge amount of investment that's coming through, along with the new partnerships that are being built, there's obviously going to be a need for an increase in talent. Uh, and obviously the mobility industry has been one where we've struggled a little bit in terms of kind of, I would say, bridging the gap. Have you seen a bit of a gap for the business looking to scale teams, you know, who are involved directly with sustainability? Um, I, I think so. I mean, I think one of the things that is happening in the field of sustainability is that they, it's changing very, very quickly. Hmm. So I think when when I first got started in sustainability, it was... Um, there was a lot of talk about kind of greening things, you know, and and a lot of the work I mentioned around water and waste. And I mean, it, it's that is to me is traditional sustainability is looking mm-hmm. at like if you're working for an organization, how to make it more green. Since that field kind of got really established, we've now seen um, this other field, which is um, s- separate, but Relate, uh, which is related, obviously, um, focus more on climate um, that really looks at um, emissions. And there is a lot of room for um, new talent. Um, you know, I actually had a chance to see um, uh, uh, John Kerry, who is um, who is the uh, the presidential envoy on um, climate issues um, for the Biden administration. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, former senator. Um, incredible global figure, um, talk about the the scope of the transition that we're in right now, um, which is uh, there's there's nothing that you can liken it to other than the transition of our economy during the Industrial Revolution. And so it's, it's very massive and it's going to require a lot of talent. Um, and but there's also a lot of economic opportunity, um, a lot. And so hopefully we'll see um, you know, um, industry rise to the occasion. Hopefully we'll see um, schools and universities um, joining in to train folks. Um, you know, there's an even a kind of a third area that has um, has kind of stemmed uh, from the sustainability space, which is really focused on climate resilience. Hmm. And I see this as an area really of rapid growth that isn't, isn't about so much about climate action, is about adaptation and recognizing that some of the impacts of um, climate change are already happening. Um, And so we need to um, actually prepare um, and harden a lot of our systems um, to be more resilient um, uh, given what we're already seeing um, and what we anticipate that we will see over over coming years. So 
that is a field that I think is very, very nascent. It's going to need a lot of really good people in, in coming years. Definitely. I think when you see universities having now degrees within these specific spaces, um, obviously there is def- you know, certainly a need to bring in new talent and new individuals within the space uh, over the coming years and you know, building towards, you know, as you said, those 2030 and 2040 goals. Um, in terms of just finally wrapping up, you know, are there any future initiatives uh, that you can share with us um, you know, that LA Metro will be involved with? Sure. Well, you mentioned earlier on, Gov, the the Olympics, obviously, are coming to L.A. in 2028. Um, You know, we're pretty excited. Um, I think the Olympics was pitched um, to the IOC as a as a kind of no build format. So the idea was that we didn't have to build, you know, a ton of things. We already have incredible facilities here. So I think it's an opportunity um, for those of us working in the mobility space because the focus is not going to be on building a ton of new stadiums and things. We can we have the opportunity to focus on on how we um, improve the experience of people um, traveling to and from the venues um, and and making sure that the residents here uh, in LA can can get around, get to work, and things like that. LA is very um, known to be a pretty car dependent. Um, uh, region. And I actually think that we are um, on the verge of a significant uh, transition. The Olympics is going to be a catalyst for that. I think that's why those of us in this um, mobility space are so excited is that it just becomes something that helps catalyze, I think, a set of changes that was already underway. LA is committed to a car-free Olympics. Mm. And so that means that we, (laughs) we have a lot of work to do to make sure that people can move around um, in in a way that uh, does not require, you know, the use of personal automobiles. Um, Obviously, as I mentioned, we've got a lot of um, infrastructure spending from DC that we're looking to to help us um, get that job done. Um, And so I think it's going to be a really exciting few years in, in the mobility space in LA as we look to the Olympics. It's certainly going to be an exciting time for the West Coast and LA, as you mentioned, uh, over the coming years, uh, kind of building towards the Olympics. And Heather, thank you again for you know taking time out of your schedule to speak with us and you know give us a bit of an insight to LA Metro. Happy to always talk about our work here, and thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you.